Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. One of the things that we find that our clients struggle with a lot is just getting new clients. Building a personal brand is exciting. Having a message is exciting, but there's a big difference between having a message and having an audience and making money. And so, one of the people that I'm honored to introduce you to today is Bill Cates. So, I've known Bill for years. We actually met through a group at the National Speakers Association called the Million Dollar Speakers Group. So, he has run multiple successful enterprises over the years and it's been decades that he's been in this space. He's actually in the Professional Speaking Hall of Fame. He's also a certified speaking professional. He's the author of many different books or three books. I think this is your, this is your fourth book? It's actually my sixth book, but that's cool. <laughs> sixth book. You can't, he's cranking them out. So historically, Bill taught referrals, right? He is one of the most recognized thought leaders in the space of referrals. But his new book caught my attention. It's called Radical Relevance. And so it's more about sharpening your marketing message, cutting through the noise, and winning more ideal clients. So, I think he has adapted a lot of his expertise here in this book, Radical Relevance, to I think very much a modern approach to how business is being done. So, anyways, Bill, <laughs> welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Rory. I appreciate it. Always good to see you. Yeah. So, let's start with the Radical Relevance concept, right? I think that's a pretty catchy concept. Can you explain exactly what you mean by radical relevance? Yes. Yeah, so a couple things. First of all, I believe we live in a radically relevant world. And what I mean by that is that our prospects are inundated by messages, right? The beauty of the internet has made it easy to get our message out. And the double-edged sword is that because everybody's getting their message out, Nobody's getting their message out, right? So people are deluged by messages. And so we've got to find a way to cut through all that. And if you look at the way the world is moving, I mean, relevance has always been important. Anytime anyone tries to influence someone else, you got to be relevant. But look at Google. Google is built on relevance, right? You start to type in a message and you're two words into the seven word search and it already knows what you're looking for. Amazon. Yeah bought this book, you want to buy this book, et cetera. Everything is about relevance. There's even billboards on the side of the road that are- Oh programmed. yeah, like the Bud Light. I've seen the beer where they do like hyper-local marketing, like, hey, exactly. Nashville. Yeah, or hey, yeah. Titans fans. They know based on Waze and Google Maps and all those map functions, 
they know the demographics of who's driving by the sign in any given part of the day. And so they adjust the message for who their market is at that moment. Some billboards even have pollen sensors in them. So they detect when the pollen count gets to a certain level, it automatically triggers ads for allergy medicines in the local pharmacies. So we live in a world where the way to get through is to be really, really focused and to have the right market selected and not to be all things to all people. And everybody knows about having the right market. And that's kind of the target. We got to have a target, but we also got to have the bullseye. The bullseye on the target is what I like to call the right fit client. Now, people probably heard the term persona or avatar or ideal clients, pretty much the same thing. Who you are meant to serve, who is meant to be served by you, who appreciates your value for all the reasons you want them to appreciate the value. It's kind of your business soulmate, if you will, is your right fit client. And so the more narrow we can go, the more relevant our messaging becomes. And one of the mistakes I found is a lot of people, in an effort to kind of include a little more, to not exclude this group or this group, they make their message a little broader. But what does it do? It actually diffuses the effectiveness of the message. So that's what I mean by being radically relevant. I want to talk to you about that for a second, because I think that this is something we walk clients through is identifying their core target audience and getting really clear on that. In every scenario, every single time we do this, there is like this emotional bond that people have to the world at large that they feel like they're somehow disserving people and they're not being inclusive. And so how do you get over the emotional side of this? That is the toughest. And some of it's based on fear. And and the fear is if I just work on this group, this segment of the market, I'm going to miss all this opportunity. And the truth is, if you pick the right market, yeah, you'll miss this opportunity, but you'll be so successful here and help these people so much better than if you're diffused, you won't even notice that you're missing that. So part of it's fear-based. Part of it is, you're right, just that emotional attachment to your message and wanting to help as many people as you possibly can. However, the problem or the fallacy with that or mistaken thinking is that if you don't come up with the right messaging that's going to attract the right people, you're not going to be helping anybody. You're going to be helping actually fewer people than what you want to do. So what you can do over time is you can develop more than one target market. You can develop more than one bullseye. Someone just starting out probably doesn't want to try that. You want to start with with your strongest position. But over time, you can do that. I've done that with my business in a number of ways over the years. But for instance, a website is a good way to think about this. If someone comes to your website and you've got a message that's trying to serve like three different masters, three different types of visitors, then it's going to be too much. You're probably going to use too many words. People are going to get confused. What we want people to see when they get to our website is that we know them, that we get them, that we understand them. Empathy is huge in this, right? And it's hard to do that on a website unless you help them self-identify. So for instance, on my website, I have three personas, three avatars of people who are coming to my site. One is corporate folks who bring me in to speak at conferences and do training and our video training and all that. Then I have individuals, individual solopreneurs, individual salespeople, reps, advisors, who also look for the content we have, and other people are planning a meeting and they want a speaker. And so what I do is I have them self-identify who they are, they click on that appropriate link, and then everything that they are given, all the messaging is geared towards them. So you can have more than one, but you gotta treat each one differently and separately. So 
do you think that by narrowing this focus, it's sort of like, you know, that saying the riches are in the niches. It's like you're reaching a bigger percentage of a smaller pie rather than a smaller percentage of a bigger pie. You know, that's a hard question to answer because it's probably going to depend a lot on the niche, the market you go after. What I do know is that you're going to bring more value, not just perceived value Mm. because you have the right message, but real value because you're actually going to know them better. You're going to go deeper and wider. You may come in with a certain level of expertise, but as you serve those people, you're going to learn about other problems they have, and you're going to help them solve this problem, this problem, that creates a new problem or a new opportunity. That's why I wrote the book, because I was helping people generate more referrals and introductions, and that borrowed trust would get them in front of more people, and the borrowed trust would carry them a certain distance into the new relationship, but eventually they had to build their own trust, and they have to have the right messaging and the right trust-building mechanism, and that's what Radical Relevance does. It, It takes it deeper with my clients. And that's the same thing in any niche as you get to know the niche better. Now, you may decide to serve a sub niche within that niche, which is just the high, most successful companies in an industry, let's say. And there may not be a lot of those, but you get really deep in them and there's a lot of opportunity there and you serve them really deeply. So it's hard to say. You could end up serving more people. You can end up serving fewer. But one thing I know for sure is you're going to serve them better and they're going to see your value. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting if I use me and AJ as a case study, Mm -hmm. you know, with Brand Builders Group, it's like somewhere underneath the topic of business and then somewhere underneath the topic of business, you'd have like sales and marketing. Our former company that we exited used to do sales. So now it's like we're somewhere under marketing and then under marketing, you would have branding and then under branding, you would have personal branding and then under personal branding, you would have like specific niches. And it's like this company in our first full calendar year, we have gotten to the same revenue point as what has taken us five or six years in previous endeavors, but our niche is so narrow. It is. And what's happening is the way you're messaging your value, the way you're talking about what you do and who you do it for, it resonates so well with the right people that it attracts the right people to you. I hate to use this word, but it repels the rest. In other words, some people say, all right, that's not for me. And that's what you want, right? You want people to identify very quickly to see that you understand them. And now, thank God we live in a large country and in a great big world that there are enough of those people there that allows you to create a very robust business. I mean, it's possible to select and go so fine-tuned that there aren't enough people in that niche to sustain a business. So that obviously has to be considered. Well, that's pretty hard to do that, like in the world we live in and how connected. But it's funny you say that because like our vision is what we call a thousand messengers. And so our core offering, right, is that we work with people, we see them four times a year, they talk to a strategist every month, they get virtual trainings for us. That's like our signature program. It's called Pro Quarterly. And we know, like our vision is we want just a thousand people. A thousand is a huge business for us that is more than what we would ever need. And it's only a thousand people out of however many, eight billion on the planet. So you don't need to reach millions and millions necessarily. And I think that's what a lot of our clients you know, they see Tony Robbins, they see Lewis Howes, they see Oprah, they see even like Brene Brown and the Simon Sinek's and they go, oh, I want to do that. I want to reach millions of people. And they're stepping over probably the likelihood of having a very wonderful income by just right. 
finding a narrow, narrow focus and just really serving those people at a high level. And it doesn't mean they can't eventually get to that point, but to get from here to there, you know, you don't do it in one step. And if you find that niche, you find that target market, you excel at that and you create those a thousand raving fans, if you will, then there are other opportunities will open up and you can start to leverage that great will that you have with those people and create more opportunities. You just have to take it one step at a time. Another way to think about this for the folks who really just love serving as many people as they possibly can, understand, especially if you're in a B2B kind of situation or even a B2C can work, if by you serving whoever your client is, remember that by helping them be better at whatever it is that you do, you're serving other people. You're serving the people they come in contact with. So for instance, I've been helping a firm who does peer groups with uh, CEOs. And so they know when they help the CEOs come to the peer group and get better, become better leaders, they're impacting all the employees and all those companies are being impacted because the CEO is getting better, right? So there's a follow-on effect or benefit. If you're serving an individual and you help them become a better individual, whatever it is you do that makes them better, you're impacting their family, you're impacting their friends. So don't think that the impact you have just stays with that one client. It really impacts a lot of people. And when you think that way, you realize you really are affecting a lot of people. Yeah, like consider the indirect impact that you're making. That's really good. Because I think a lot of this is just an emotional, it's a fear. It's a, oh my gosh, I can't narrow. Like I need to reach more people. And there's various reasons why. So, and I think if you get this right, like if you nail the audience, It's exactly what you said. You will serve them better. So how do you know which audience is the right audience to go deep on, right? Because it's like, this is a part of, in our phase one experience, we call it finding your unique brand DNA is going, you got to find your audience. And it's like, there's all these different audiences you could serve. Right. What's the criteria you use to say, well, this is the one I'm going to attack or, you know, serve or... My answer to that is going to be a little bit of my own personal experience. It's a little bit trial and error. It's rare that someone comes into a business and immediately knows exactly what their message is and who it's for and has the perfect flow. I mean, some people probably do that. Uh, sometimes it's based on what you did before you came into this new business, you know, what other industry you worked in, what contacts you have. There's a lot of that that goes into it, you know, that natural market, some people call it. So for instance, in my own business, I've been at this for over 25 years. When I sold my second book publishing company and decided to get into coaching and training and speaking, I knew the printing industry because I bought printing, I sold printing. So that was my natural place to start. And so I knew what to say to those people to help them, et cetera. But I eventually outgrew that industry a little bit. The profit margins are low, et cetera, et cetera. And I was looking for the next thing. And so sometimes we have to take action looking for the clarity, right? We can't always wait for perfect clarity to take action because if we do, we may never take action. And so we just act and we deliver our value to different groups and we see the resonance. So in my particular case, when I wrote my first book on referrals and I had an opportunity to speak with some financial professionals, financial advisors, it was like immediately love at first sight for both of us, right? Because they wanted what I taught I believed in the value that they brought to their clients. And I always tell my staff that when we're helping these financial advisors and planners help their clients, we're helping a lot of people get their financial house in in order. And it's very important for everybody to do that. So 
that was like the perfect match. And it's expanded a little bit since then. I do a lot of different types of professional services now. I was doing what I was doing, looking for the right match. You might not know it sitting in a seminar. I know you bring tremendous value to your clients, but a lot of it's just getting out and do it and see who it resonates with. Well, I think that's an interesting insight is it's like, don't wait for the clarity to come before you take action. Take action knowing that the clarity will come as you walk down the path. Yeah, looking for the clarity. I mean, I knew I wanted to write a book, but I didn't know what I wanted to do on. I knew I wanted to go deeper into a topic. I was kind of a generic sales speaker and I liked prospecting. And then eventually, too long of a story to tell here, but this idea of referrals and introductions hit me and it like resonated immediately. So it's like I was acting, doing my thing, looking for the clear vision. Now you gotta have a certain amount of clarity. You won't do anything, right? And you give that to your clients. Right. Uh, But you don't have to be perfectly crystal clear. It doesn't have to all be figured out. You got to take action. Yeah. It's sort of like come up with something that's 80% right, you know, or 70% in a direction and then just start walking towards the direction and then figure it out. Now, as you were talking, I'm actually coming up with my own little checklist here (laughs) is going, okay, how do you find your right audience? One thing would be going, okay, who do I have knowledge to serve? Another is, like you said, who do you have relationships with? I think another one would be, what audiences do I have access to? Right? right? That was one of the things about Brand Builders Group where it was like, you know, we've been serving salespeople for so many years, but it was like, I know so many people in this space and AJ knew so many people in this space of authors and speakers. It was just like, gosh, this is an audience that we have access to. And then also like there's a need, like who has the need that aligns with your expertise? Those are some of the clues. So anyways, I want to come back to something directly in the book. So the title of chapter three is the neuroscience of relevance. I want to talk about this because this is interesting to me because I think when we hear relevance or we hear niche or we hear target audience, we think of marketing strategy or like brand speak or like business best practice. Mm-hmm. But I thought this conversation is fascinating. How does neuroscience affect the context of what we're talking about here? Yeah, it affects it intimately in a lot of different ways. And the way I think and the way I structured the book was there are certain principles should guide us, marketing principles, principles based on how the brain works. And so I start off with the principles. And then from there, we derive the strategies. And then from the right strategies, we derive the tactics. The problem most people do is they go straight to the tactics, right? And something's not working, they look for a new tactic, but it could be a flawed strategy or it could be based on just a flawed belief or principle in the first place. So with that as kind of an umbrella to this conversation, I wanted to learn how the brain works because I know the more we can understand how the brains of our prospects work and our own brains for that matter, the more we can tailor the message properly. And there's a couple of quick things I'll give you from that chapter. One is just understanding what the brain's main function is, which is to keep the organism alive, which is to conserve energy, to conserve calories. The brain is designed to do that. And so whenever you come with a message for your business that might be a little too clever, a little confusing, a little convoluted, The brain goes, oh, confusing. It takes more energy. I don't want to go there. And so it's not relevant. It's not perceived as relevant. It's almost perceived as a threat and it moves on. And so that's why we know that the brain craves clarity. 
Now, it doesn't mean we can't use cleverness sometimes in headlines and how we discuss what we do, but it better get into the brain immediately. I use it as kind of a back to the billboard scenario. It's like if you're driving down the road and the billboard has a message and it's 30 seconds later, you finally get the clever message that's on the billboard, it didn't do its job. It's too late because you missed the exit, right? And so it's got to resonate quickly. And that's what the brain's looking for. The brain is also scanning six times a second. That's pretty fast. Am I safe? Where am I? Am I safe? Am I safe? And then three times a second is, is there an opportunity? So the brain loves an opportunity, but only if it feels safe. Well, guess what? No wonder most marketing messages that are most effective start with, what's the problem? I understand your problem. I know you have this problem. And then there's an opportunity that comes from that. So that's how we structure our messaging based on how the brain works. There's one more real quick. One second. You said that six times a second, the brain is asking the question, am I safe? And then three times a second, the brain is saying, is there an opportunity? Exactly. And the brain is built for opportunity. It loves opportunity, but only when it feels safe. Right. It's uh, subservient to safety. It is. Absolutely. Because what happens is it's like the reptilian brain is just looking, say, am I safe? I'm safe. It's, it's, it's fear-based, right? Am I safe? Am I safe? Once it feels safe, that's when the cerebral cortex can start to come into play and thought can start to come into play and aspirations for things we want to accomplish start to come into play, but only when the organism feels safe. And so, you know, knowing this sort of stuff really directs how we talk about our value, how we message it, the questions we ask, you know, how we display empathy for our prospects situation. So we'll resonate with them. The other one real quick is called cognitive influency. And what it says is, let's say if someone goes to your website and your website is a little convoluted, it's not as clear as it should be. Everybody's always saying, well, when you look at my website, it's under construction. Yeah, I get it. Everybody's website is always under construction. Always under construction. (laughs) But if it's lacking a certain amount of clarity, the brain is going to immediately make the leap that this is confusing to me. Dealing with that company is going to be complicated. It just makes that immediate leap. And so the clearer and simpler we can make all our messages, all our steps, everything that we convey to people, the easier it is for people to take that path to us. Otherwise, the brain will just say, nope, too much. Can't Which again, to me, all of that is sort of a natural byproduct of narrowing the niche. Because yep. if you narrow the niche, like you automatically are speaking to a specific subset of people and they quickly go, oh, this is for me. Or they quickly go, this is not for me. Exactly. That's what we want. We want them to say, this is for me, this is not for me. And if they say, this is for me, we've earned the right to a few more seconds of their attention. And yeah, it's we it, slowly pull them through that. It's so interesting thinking about Brand Builders Group, again, just as an example, because you know my background, I come more from like the corporate world and speaking and stuff. We have people going, hey, can you help our company do branding? And it's like, no, we don't do that. Like we don't do company logos. We work with personalities. We work with right. people. You have to have discipline to make a decision and especially to follow through because here's the other thing that happens, Bill, is our clients say, all right, I'm going to serve this audience. I'm going to go in this direction. And then all of a sudden, one client shows up and waves a little money at them and says, hey, and that's a real issue too, right? It's like, we got to pay the bills. But AJ and I had this conversation the other day, pretty soon, we're going to be free to get back into the world of sales training. Like, we'll be able to do that. but we probably won't, but she gets calls every day of someone's like, hey, we need help. Our sales team needs help. And we're just like, no, but that money is super enticing to pull you off track. 
Well, that's where you form an alliance with someone who can serve the client and you make the introduction and maybe you make some money out of that. Maybe you just create some goodwill, but either way, the client gets served and you can say no. And I get it. Look, we've all been in a place where we're attracted by the money, especially when we're getting started. And I'd say that sometimes there may be a reason to do that. But first of all, if somebody comes with a big check and you're able to serve them and do a good job, you don't want to take it if you can't do a great job. There possibly could be some synergy there because in that large company, you might also be able to, like in your case, a lot of their employees create their own personal brands, right? Right. Salesforce create their own personal. So there could be a synergy there. But in all your outbound marketing and all your outbound messaging, it has to stay on focus, right? You may take sure. side deal to help keep things going for a little while. But here's what I found about the side deal. And I wonder if this is true <laughs> for you. Like the speaking business is a good example of this, right? Some company shows up, they pay you some money to come speak to some audience outside of your core thing. It's like sometimes there is a natural fit and it kind of right. makes sense. Sometimes you have to do it financially and you just go, this is not a long-term strategy thing. This is a short-term desperation thing. But if you're financially stable, what I have found is every time I've chased one of these, it begets more of the same. And so it takes you further and further off the yep. path that you were on. It's true. And you're probably going to spend more time trying to serve this company or person that's not quite in your niche. So it's not going to be as profitable. You're probably not going to be as good. I mean, there wasn't a time when I did. I took anything anybody put at me. That's just what happens. It's a sign of neediness, right? It's not an abundance mentality for sure. And I'm never as good when I take something outside my main focus. I will mm. only take a speaking engagement or a training engagement if I feel really good that I can do a great job for these people and that I also don't have to spend, you know, a triple time trying to figure out their business and do the right thing for them because I don't want to do a half-assed job, right? And so right. you got to be very careful and it's an abundance mentality. And sometimes it takes working with someone like you and your firm and your coaches to stay on track, right? To not be teased by that. You know, one of my first mentors in this business, a guy named David Rich out of South Carolina, he says, it's like a garden hose. Right? It's shooting this fountain of energy of this water that's going out. But if you start taking this little over here or this little idea, a little pinpricks right into the garden hose and then the water sprays out and then the water coming out of the end isn't as strong. And so we mm. just have to be careful with all those distractions. Easier said than done, I know. Yeah, well, I think it really is. So one less kind of off-topic question, sure. but it's relevant and then we'll kind of land the plane. A lot of our audience, we know they are people who have the desire to do paid speaking. And just being that you've been in the industry and you're in the speaking hall of fame, what is some of the advice and speaking to relevance, right? Like the industry has changed dramatically even oh, yeah. in the last five or 10 years, let alone 20 years. What's the advice that you would give to somebody who's saying, gosh, you know what? I really do want to pursue the profession of paid speaking. What would you tell them? Well, there's so much, <laughs> but a few things. First of all, be very clear on what the problem it is you to solve, right? Do you solve a problem that people want solved, right? You're going to be much more successful, much more quickly solving problems than you are helping people hit aspirational goals. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with hitting aspirational goals. That's a great thing to do. But usually if someone has a goal and aspiration to go somewhere, do something, at the heart of that is actually a problem, right? They don't like where they are. They don't like something right now. And so we got to know what problem do we solve? 
And then what's the result of that transformation? That's one thing. Another thing is you got to be really good at doing what you do and conveying your message. And, you know, everybody thinks they're pretty good as a speaker and most people don't really work on their craft. I have a certain natural ability, but that only carries me so far. I've worked with coaches. I practice. I hate practicing, but I practice to get better and better. And you've got to be willing to do that and pay the dues, if you will, in terms of building that craft as a speaker. And then to treat it like a business, you know, it's most people in this business don't make very yeah. much money because they don't treat it like a business. They don't have a business mindset. And I guess the final thing as we approach the landing strip is you got to get good at talking about your value in a way that isn't arrogant, but in a way that displays confidence. There's a fine line, I think, between arrogance and confidence. And we know people that have both, but your clients need to feel that confidence coming from you, right? It's okay to be humble and modest. And I'm a pretty modest kind of guy, but at the right time, I've got to turn on that confidence and people have to see that. And so that's part of the sales process, right? Of just showing up with confidence and making confident recommendations to move someone along in that process. Well, I love it. The book is called Radical Relevance. Bill, where do you want people to go if they want to get connected with you and stay (laughs) in touch? Thank you. I appreciate it. So radicalrelevancebook.com, radicalrelevancebook.com. That's the page for the book. You'll learn about the book, see if it's a good match for you, see if it resonates with you. And then my main website is referralcoach.com, referralcoach.com. And uh, A lot of free resources there, a lot of ways to get into my world to see if I can bring any value to you. I appreciate it. Absolutely love it. There you have it, my friends, the one and only (laughs) Bill Cates. I'm talking about narrowing the niche. What a great conversation. Well, Bill, thanks for being here, my friend. And as always, we wish you the best. Thank you, Rory. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.